You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, I'm an owner of a dental practice. How do I make this associate relationship work? And as an associate, you ever thought to yourself, how do I make this relationship work with an owner? Hmm. A lot of people are thinking that. Well, Dr. Christian Coachman brings on a rock star from the DSD community. His name is Dr. Sean Barami, and he walks us through the elements of how to make this work. It is awesome. You have to listen to this. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. One of the things that's really fun about what I get to do is hang out with really smart people who introduce me to really other smart people so that we can share this collective knowledge and you guys can create a better practice and a better life. And in our continuing conversations with Dr. Christian Coachman, what's really fun is he finds these really amazing rock stars in different parts of the world and you're going to meet an amazing one today, Sean Barami. And we're going to be talking about how to be a great owner for an associate and vice versa in the journey and the steps. So Christian, can you do us a favor? I want you to introduce mm-hmm. your friend to the podcast. Of course, it will be my pleasure. First of all, hello, Kirk. Great to be back here. Always fun and always bringing cool topics. I love it. Uh, And today I have the pleasure to introduce a friend. He's part of our DSD network. And I could see from the beginning, this guy had huge potential, Uh, super smart, cool. Uh, His voice sounds like a a radio vocalist, right? (laughs) He sounds like he's gonna, he sounds like he's he's about to say something important to you every time, even if it's just hello, hello. Right, so um, we started to work together uh, on a topic that I believe is super important, and he has an amazing content around this topic. And the topic is called "Empowering the Owner Associate Synergy." Empowering the Owner Associate Synergy, and I believe this is a super hot topic. You you mentioned that, Kirk. You know, every time I go to US here in Europe is the same. You know, we always see practice owners complaining, right? I can't find 
associates, associates are not doing what I want, or they learn and then they leave, and then I need to find new associates, or they're not motivated, or they don't have the right skills, or I, I'm not understanding how to become a better leader for them. And so these are very common questions that we see happening all the time. And that's why I told Sean, Sean, this topic that you've been talking about is amazing and so useful. And the best part is that he went through the journey, right? Even though he looks pretty young on the screen, he's not that young. He already has <laughs> very good experience. Uh, he was able to start as a young associate in his uncle's practice right? And then he was able to go through the whole journey. And, and I started to ask him, you know, why your uncle chose you? And why did you choose your uncle? What were the challenges? You know, how did you guys overcome? It became a powerful partnership. And he went through the process all the way up to becoming a business partner and co-owner of the practices and opening a new location and all these things. So, so he literally went through the whole story. And he started to tell me the story in a, such an educational way. You can see, you know, the differences, Kirk, between somebody that is just telling a story and somebody that is good telling a story in an educational way. And, and Sean had that naturally on him. Uh, and he's a young speaker giving lectures. So I told him, you know, you, you, you need to invest energy on this and, and make this a real content and a, a real uh, project of it, right? So. Uh, he did it and he started to lecture about it. And I said, look, you, you have to come and join us on our podcast. I believe it's going to be a great topic to explore. So Sean, thanks for joining. Thanks for coming. And yeah, it's going to be amazing to discuss this super important topic with you. Say hello to everybody, please. Well, hello to everyone. Thank you guys for this introduction. I, I don't even know how to to thank you guys, but that is amazing. I'm just ecstatic to be surrounded by such brilliant people and that inspire me every day and you know when i met christian at dsd residency i said one day i want to be able to speak like this guy because it was just so captivating and uh and so he's been an inspiration with everything a visionary in dentistry so thank you for the inspiration and kirk by putting together such amazing content every week and informing and sharing the knowledge which has been absolutely brilliant um you know i've i've been fortunate to be in the right position as as i started my career and uh and you know when i saw the the owner associate relationship and how they don't work together but sometimes they play against each other i was inspired to to research my role as an associate in this dynamic and that's why we're here to share the findings. Yeah. Can I just ask that research is not readily available. You had to go and find it. Right. And I'm going to add one more thing. Everybody has different statistics on this. Sean, this is such a great topic. Kane Waters did a study many years ago and they estimated between 70 and 90% of associateships and partnership attempts fail in some fashion in the United States. And so we would love to know what you found in that research and how you put this together to start educating people. Absolutely. So you know, it's, yeah, it's a dynamic that is, uh, it's a bit tricky because owners are never happy with how associates are carrying themselves in the practice and associates aren't happy with the lack of systems or some of the systems in the practice. So that's when we found how we can 
put these, bring these two different worlds together and make him thrive. So that's my first question, actually, you know, old school versus new school, that dilemma of, you know, uh, the new person, the young person always thinking that the old school is completely outdated uh, without having the experience to, to actually back this idea up. And the old guy always thinking that the new one doesn't have enough experience and shouldn't be giving so much opinion about it, right? Uh, how was this challenge for you at the beginning and, and your uh, learnings by experiencing this with your uncle? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, whenever you join a practice, as dentists, we tend to become a superstar. We, we want to become the superstar star of the practice and that's how it is and every owner they've established their way of doing things for an extended period of time and when you come in as an associate they're not so open to learning or bringing new systems and ideas into the practice because in their eyes this the practice is established and with my uncle the same way when i joined his practice he was practicing for 25 years, not to age him, but uh, he had a lot of experience. He had opened multiple locations before, so he had that experience as well. But to me, his way of practice lacked some systems. And, and it was tricky for me to bring those ideas to him because I didn't want to undermine him or, or step on his toes. But what I realized, the best way for me to show him is through my commitment to his practice, showing how involved I am in the practice, being present um, and, and showing, being a role model for the staff in a way, because many times associates, they just come in, they do their work, they look at it as a nine to five where they're seeing patients now, and they expect the practice to provide me patients, they expect the practice to advertise for them, they expect the practice to provide everything for them. But my approach was different, is that I'm going to bring these new ideas. I'm going to help uh, grow the practice. And so that that was tricky in the beginning, but I had to earn his trust. Understand uh, coming to the practice with the mentality that I have to respect the systems have been working in place. And I showed that to him and I would discuss it with him so that way he understands that I appreciate the things that have been successful. Obviously, him having the ability to have two locations and even bring an associate, that tells you that he has done well to some extent. But uh, but having with that, coming with gratitude and appreciation kind of opened his doors to me a little bit more. Yeah. In your lecture, you have a slide that I want to emphasize that I want to summarize to everybody here because it 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 it's the best explanation of the beginning of the challenge, right? So Sean starts talking about uh, how this story actually starts, right? So on one side, you have the practice owner, 30 years of experience, established systems. If they are good or not, it's a different thing. No savings, second half of the career, tired of training new associate, wants to slow down and has business plateauing, right? So that's the reality of the owner. Very common reality, right? great dentist, hard worker, and you have these challenges. On the other side, you have young Sean, that is young, ambitious, lack of experience, even though we usually think we know everything when we are young, but lack of experience, uh, almost $400,000 in student loans, <laughs> that pressure on top, 
believing in systematization and less on experience, minimum 800 daily, narrow scope of dentistry. So I, I, I think these two columns that you built, John, it's a good starting point. When, when you start accepting the challenges and acknowledging the challenges, right? So imagine a owner and an associate just starting the conversation and say, let's just acknowledge how different we are and how mm -hmm. different is our perspective, right? For this moment. And as we, if we start acknowledging this from each other, I believe that's a great initial step. So uh, how did it work with your uncle? You know, was something that probably month after month, you started to realize these differences, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it's not only the way of dentistry, you know, that the one of the slides was that when retention, retention is poor, his best go-to is PFM crowns. And on the other hand, I hate, and I don't understand how to cement PFM crowns. When he writes notes, it's a, it's one word. Patient came in, implant failed, took the implant out. And then when I write notes, it's a paragraph. So the dynamic is so different on every level. And, um, you know, we, we had what I, what I realized is that many times people avoid the conversations, the hard conversations, but I was, um, I took it upon myself to have these conversations with him. So I kind of explained to him my situation, opened up the, the lanes of communication that I'm not looking for a nine to five, you know, I, I'm looking to build a career. I want to be involved in a practice. And that was, something when I was looking for a, a position, I struggled with because many practices that I was going to, when I would tell them that I want to be involved in the practice, that I want to bring new ideas, they would reject that because it's their practice. You know, they're, they're not open to that. But luckily with my uncle, he was open to that because he was at a point, like you said, he wanted to start to slow down and he want, wanted someone to bring that energy into the practice. And so, he was open to that. And, and I, I really appreciate that because he kind of took a step back and let me be involved in the practice. And that's where he really was smart about that because he involved me in the processes of his practice from hiring. Now, this wasn't from day one, but sometime into it, <laughs> he would involve me in hiring and making decisions and, 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 you know, business decisions, where should we market and, but he trusted me that I would be involved and I do my research. I'm not just going to uh, say things. And that started this relationship of synergy, the, the collaboration between us to help grow the practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you have one of the phases in there. It's the journey of the associate. I think your journey is an amazing journey. You're five years out. You said the first two years, you didn't even like dentistry. You were overwhelmed and you guys took the practice from two locations to four locations. You're getting ready to open up a fifth and you quadruple the revenue. That's quite the up and down. Can you just take yeah. us, what is, what is the journey of an associate look like specifically for you? Oh, it, you know, I, when I, when I went to dental school, my uncle was my inspiration for dentistry. I, I liked dentistry, but I wasn't so crazy about it. And then when I came out, he had the old school mentality. He said, I pay you this amount of money, but I want you here six days a week. And I didn't really think about that because I was 
thinking about what Christian said, my student loans. I was thinking about all this time that I have been living off of ramen noodles and I'm ready to make some, you know, financial uh, progress. So I said, okay, I'm down. Let's do this. Working six days a week, as you guys know, dentistry is a demanding career, especially in the beginning where you're not fully comfortable with the procedures. You still aren't comfortable with your patient interaction. So six days was was a lot. And I really was not enjoying dentistry. I was stressed out. And um, I, I, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to go through this. I don't know how I'm going to have a career. And it was a dark period in my career the first two years. But then what I always remembered is that to me, what I told myself is passion is not something that just comes to you naturally. I believe you become good at something and then by working hard at it, and then that something is able to fulfill your definition of success, whether it's money, whether it's status, whatever it is, and that's how you develop the passion. So I started working at it harder i i i was involved more in taking courses and 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 reading and developing my skills to get more comfortable and i still remember this day it was march of 2020 right before the pandemic i you know the way my uncle liked my schedule to be it was triple booked busy and um but that that day i felt that i was in control of my schedule that I wasn't panicking saying that there's multiple big procedures and I'm enjoying this. And it's, it's a rhythm that I've developed and really it was a turning around Now it may feel to me like it was one day where I developed that interest, but it wasn't, it was continuous work uh, and struggle for about two years, but staying with it. I think the new generation oftentimes we're very quick to give up on things because we're looking for that instant result. But I knew that from my dad and from my uncle that this is not how it works. You have to stay with it for some time. And and that's when it clicked. And and the fact that I was able to become a member of the practice, being involved in the practice helped me even grow more into the practice. So my journey went from a nightmare the first two years thinking about I need to do something different on the side, maybe start a company, maybe do real estate, something outside of dentistry became all focused on dentistry. So, yeah. So I think that uh, that's the first uh, big job of the practice owner is to support that beginning, right? Mentally, more than clinically support mentally. If you see the potential, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about how, how do you identify that potential and uh, how do you uh, classify that potential. But if you see that potential, you need to give that emotional support because dentistry at the beginning, not at the beginning, the beginning, middle and end, dentistry is always hard, <laughs> but at the beginning you're you're completely lost and, and you're really thinking about choosing another profession, right? That many people go through this. Yeah. Now, another thing that I think is interesting, uh, Kirk, that I see is uh, because I work. I, I started with my father as well, right? Uh, me and my brother, we started with with our father, and we see that the more experienced the person is, the less they rely on systems, and that's not good. 
But because they have so much experience and everything is in here and they just know how to do things, they're just doing things. And many times, and, and this is not something good. It's, it's one of the few parts that are not good about becoming more experienced, <laughs> right? Is because you put less effort on systematization. And of course that we know that no systems is worse uh, for consistency, worse for growing with quality, is worse for scaling, is worse for delegating, is worse for exiting, for selling, is worse for developing revenue without having to work yourself on everything. All these things are related to not having systems, right? And we see many practices with very little systems. Uh, and, and usually the work is good because the main dentist knows how to do it, right? Now, the young person comes in full of systems or ideas about systems and try to implement systems. And I think it's very, very smart for the practice owner to give this room, even though it's very uncomfortable. I know when we are good at something, somebody new comes trying to put systems into something that you know how to do. But I think it's a super smart strategy for the owner to give some room for the young to put energy on systematizing things. You know, of course, the owner can guide uh, and clarify the objectives of the system and where do we want to go with that system. Uh, but the young person has the energy and has the modern tools to implement systems utilizing modern tools that the older generation doesn't. So I think that gives a very big sense of purpose to the younger person, right? Look, I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm doing this very well. I want you to make this a system here. I'm empowering you. It's up to you. Please document this, write it down. Pretend you're gonna have to teach somebody. Learn from me how to do it, translate it into a system, and I promise I'm gonna do my best to follow the system with you. And this is gonna actually speed up the process of you getting to my quality faster and being able to do what I'm doing uh, because we are following a system. And of course, this is the key uh, to make the transition, you know, as your uncle wanted, you know, working less and continuing to make money. Keep your lifestyle, improve your lifestyle, make more money, and work less. Yeah. Christian, I love that. Would you agree? Because I see the same thing. And then, Sean, I want you to comment on this. It's it, it's not so much getting the new ideas in, that's the, it's getting the old ones out that's the hardest. You know, because yeah. can you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing. When I joined my uncle, I told him that we have to have, because I've read so many books on business and development. And I told them that we need to develop an identity for our practice, what our practice is about. That's going to guide our decisions in marketing and how we treat our staffs. You can't be uh, doing everything. You can't be volume-driven dentistry, do big cosmetic dentistry, provide uh, fee-for-service kind of dentistry, you have to define your practice and and then fulfill a niche. And and that was a tricky bit because in, in his mind, it, it's always wasn't like that. It was, hey, we're going to have a business and we're going to see all the patients. And so, and that's when I saw that if we want to grow, then we have to have a system as, as Christian was talking about. And then that's when we develop 
the moments of onboarding an associate. So we decided that there's four moments in this journey. The first thing is finding and hiring the, the, the associate. The second moment is testing that associate. Is this associate, does this associate have what it takes for them to become uh, an important part of your practice? And then you, the, four, the third part is empowering that associate. And then the last bit is partnership, having a roadmap, something as a final destination that's going to guide them that there is a future for them in this practice. But all of these moments, they have to start with that vision. You have to define what's the vision for your practice. What is it that you're trying to achieve? There's what a parenthesis here, Sean. Parenthesis yeah. Many people complain they are not hiring the right people, but they don't have a clear vision of their own business. And, and how can you find the right people without clarifying your own vision, right? So I, I think that's a, 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 the first step to attract great people is to understand your vision so you can attract the people that fit into the vision, right? Absolutely, that's, absolutely. That's the exercise that... That's, that's exactly what it is because once you have that vision, it's going to enable you to understand this is the type of person I'm looking for. And you can bring that into your interview process when you are hiring to see if the person, that candidate agrees or sees eye to eye with your vision. And then obviously you can hire them, you bring them to your practice. But when you bring them to your practice, that's the tricky part because you want to you're investing in them. The the person you're bringing to your associate that you're bringing into your practice, in the beginning, you are losing money on them because you have to invest in them for them to grow. So you want to test this associate in the shortest amount of time possible. And the criteria that we came up with when we were talking to Christian is that there are five qualities in an ideal dentist. The first one is not the order of these changes, but the first one is charisma, um, artistic skills, ethics, clinical skills, and scientific background. So these are the five qualities that you can, you need to test your associate and give them what we came up with was a scale from zero to five. So give them a grade based on the a number of how you feel about them, their charisma, how they interact with patients, their artistic skills. Now, this may be a little difficult for you to test, but you can give them a test to do. You can see their work. You can understand how, if they have an eye for aesthetics, ethical decisions. I think that's a bit self-explanatory. You want someone that makes good decisions, sound decisions for your patients, because many times owners are hesitant to bring an associate because they want the quality of the work to be consistent. And I think having someone that's ethical is obviously important. Clinical skills, um, that is obviously a big part of dentistry. We all strive for perfection on that. But I think this is the part that you can probably improve the most on, right? This isn't something that you can practice, you can learn the most. And scientific background, uh, how involved they are with acquiring knowledge, with growth, with developing their skills. So those were the qualities that we kind of outlined with Christian that for them, for the owner to use to test and see whether this 
this associate is a potential star in the practice or someone that could be just as a an associate or someone that they need to get rid of in their practice. I love yeah. this. Is there, I would imagine when you start, this is a great test. Is there a bar to the test? Because you're not going to find any, you said zero to five. You're not going to find somebody. What are you looking for? Are you looking for fives in every one of them? Two factors. What's that? Two two (laughs) factors on this test. First, uh, to complement what what Sean said. First thing is that you need to define the weight of each one of the components. It varies, right? Some people may put artistic skills above scientific knowledge. Some people may put clinical skills above artistic skills. They are very different, clinical skills and artistic skills. Depends on the profile. That's why you need to start with the vision, your business model. Who is the buyer persona? Who is the persona that you're trying to attract and serve? You start with there, and then you try to imagine the perfect dentist that you want to have with you. Uh, As Sean said as well, it's important to understand that not everybody is going to become your partner, right? You don't have to hire everybody to become a partner. But at the moment you say, I want to start investing on a possible partner, this is when this test comes in, right? Uh, You you can have other dentists working for you as associates that they don't need to be uh, fulfilling all these check boxes. But your future partner, you don't want to waste 10 years to find out, oh my God, he was not the right person, right? So uh, first thing you need to, change the weight. So the test goes in a way that we have a very nice table we can share with you, Kirk, later, that you need to put a weight on each one of the five characteristics. It can be time three, time 2.5, times two, time 1.5, or time one, right? So you put the least important at the bottom, the most important at the top, and you organize the five according to what is more valuable to you, right? So let's say ethics, then charisma, then artistic skills, then scientific know-how, and then clinical skills. The other thing is that you cannot rate this person for what they are today because they're just coming out of dental school. So you need to rate some of these things according to the potential. So when you talk about clinical skills, you need to rate from zero to five according to the potential of clinical skills, right? When you are uh, classifying zero or rating zero to five on scientific knowledge, you're not going to rate them compared to you, for example. You're going to rate on their habit to study, right? It doesn't matter how much they know now because they are still learning and we will learn forever. It matters on their habits and their pursuit for the studying the science and enjoying and respecting the science. And that's where you rate from zero to five, right? So you need to be very smart. Uh, charisma, of course, that's very clear. You look at the person, you, you work with the person for one month and, and, and you, you, you can rate that, right? It's something that usually is natural. Ethics as well. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old. You need to have very strong, what are your most important ethical parameters? And you need to ask yourself, how do I think this person fits from zero to five according to my ethical parameters? So uh, these are very important two factors to make this table work. And I think that then there's the final part that is all these skills are responsible only for 50% of the final rate, right? 
And the final, the other 50% are related to the candidate drive. That's That was our conclusion, Sean and myself. I said, look, you know, how, how important it is all these skills and how important it is the drive, you know, the, the energy, the willingness to do it, to work hard and to push. And I, in my opinion, and, and then Sean uh, agrees, I think that it's 50-50, you know. So if, if you have from zero to 50, your skills are 25, you're in right in the middle, but your drive is 50, you are a 75 candidate, a 7.5 candidate, right? So it's almost like, you know, if your skills are down to 10, 15, 20, but you put 50% drive, that person is worth investing on, right? Can you speak so to the why? Came up. Huh? Go back to that. Why is the drive so heavily weighted? Why the drive? Because when you are 25, 30, whatever age you're coming out of school, it doesn't matter how good you are at that point. You have 50 more years in front of you. And if you don't have the drive, you're gonna, if your peak is at 25, you are in trouble. <laughs> you need the drive to be able to continue to grow. That's why for me, the drive, of course, that zero ethics, zero charisma, you know, some zeros there will. So it's a very nice, we, we, we worked hard on this table and, and we tried we tried to make the table not work. We say, but, but let's use examples and see if this is going to fail. And, and it worked pretty well in all the situations that we could simulate. So I think it's a cool thing to exercise when you are dealing with new people in your practice. Absolutely. And I think, Kirk, one thing that we were, uh, the drive, that that's why we heavily kind of put a lot of weight into that, that factor is when I was thinking about my career and when I first graduated, I worked really hard during school because I always thought that I, I had a drive to, to try to be the best that I can be in, in dentistry or whatever that I'm doing. And when I graduated, I kind of felt a bit um, uh, kind of disappointed because I, we all came out from dental school and like me and my peers, and I knew some of them who were more about having fun than some of them who worked really hard. And we start working and I saw that we're all kind of making the same amount of money and we were getting the similar job offers. But then after a couple of years, a third year or fourth year, I started to see the gap widen between the people that had a big drive and people that that had the naturally from the get-go there were people that had amazing artistic skills i remember but I had classmates that didn't even have to try they would go in and everything was just working for them and when i looked at my preps my plastic teeth preps and it, it, it was just a disaster and then right then i'm like i don't have the artistic skills but then over time I monitored my career and I paid attention to things that I was doing and then look at other people. And I saw that, okay, that drive, that hard work really makes a big difference. Even initially, you may not be blessed with those skills, with the artistic skills, with the clinical skills, even with charisma, but all those skills, if you have the drive, you can make up for it and, and learn and, and, and acquire those skills. Yeah, I love it. You've got a couple more phases of this. I love the structure of this. Christian, I want to keep you guys for another hour and go through this, but there's a couple more phases to consider in this journey. Yeah. Next one is empowering. 
So let's say finding and hiring, you need to master the process of finding and hiring based on your vision, make ask the right questions, filter and hire the right people based on your vision. Now, not everybody that you're gonna hire needs to become a partner. So you're gonna have these people that are more fitting into your vision and you're gonna choose the ones that will really potentially become your right arm. And that's when the test comes, this test. So then you're bringing a few to the next level, the real partners, right? The right arm, the left arm, the possible associate that is gonna take over or uh, open with you a second location and things like that. Once this person passed the test, meaning fulfills that, 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 that grade that you established now it's time to empower the person may not even know that you believe that that person may be a partner in the future you know you found out yeah that's the important thing you found out the potential you see the drive you see the skills you start now moving that person to the next level and that's what we call the empowering level so sean explain to us how that works so empowerment is the superstar, the dentist, the owner, detaching themselves from the superstar position, right? And you know, every owner says, oh, my patients only come because they want to see me. And that is the worst thing that you can say, because that means that you haven't established a system where people, your patients will trust anyone that's within your practice. And so the best way for you to do that is involving your associate, introducing your associate, to the patient as someone who has is good at what they do. For example, you may be great at everything you do in dentistry as an owner, but you have a case where part of the work can be done by your associate. You bring that associate into the room and you introduce them to the patient, say, Dr. So-and-so is great with restorative. He will be taking care of this part of your treatment, right? And this is how you incorporate, in, integrate your associates into the practice. And obviously being open to new ideas because that enables the, the associate to be more involved in the practice, which then brings us to the last phase of this journey, which is the partnership, right? Now, this is could be structured depending on how you run in your practice, what your vision is, whether there's going to be two years of working and then they buy into the practice. However, the model may be, you have to find define it for your practice that works well. But that roadmap that, that the associate knows that their effort that they're investing, the time that they're investing, the money that they're investing into CE courses, development, growth, there is a future for them in the practice. There are people that are not looking for partnership. They just want to be an associate. That's one way of doing this. But for many people, they want to have a stable future where they know that their hard work is going to be paid off. And that's the last phase of it, the partnership. Yeah, this is brilliant because a lot of times people don't have a, you use the word roadmap. There's no clear line of sight. There's no vision, clear line of sight for both parties to have expectations met. So when expectations don't get met, it falls apart, right? The roadmap is the key. We were talking about this, right? There's many ways to get there, but you as the owner, and not only with the possible associate, but with every key employee, you know, you need to develop a roadmap where they see evolution, where they see the light at the end of the tunnel, where they see the next step, 
where they can relate to the tasks and landmarks and achievements and goals and rocks that they need to fulfill to move to the next level. But if they achieve that specific rock, if they deliver that specific thing, they know very clearly what is the next step, right? And they know that if that happens, this happens in six months probably, and then we enter a new phase, and then this is gonna probably take one more year, then you're gonna step into these more tasks and you're gonna become this. And then in two years and a half, if everything goes right, you know, you can co-own this office with me, blah, blah, blah. So it's not only, you know, many times the owner, the boss is just on auto mode, thinking of themselves. And, and uh, of course, thinking, uh, being a nice person, thinking about the employees, wanting the best for everybody, but not realizing that things are not clear. And then we wonder why people are losing motivation, why why people are tired, you know, why people are thinking about working somewhere else, you know? And then people complain that, oh, I trained this person for 10 years and then the person left. There was no roadmap. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. There was no clear vision for their future. So as soon as you identify the possible superstar, as soon as you know that that person has the potential, the sooner you generate a roadmap, of course, making sure that there was we, there will be no entitlement because that's the opposite problem, that the associate will feel entitled and that's something bad from the associate side. So uh, usually the biggest mistake from the boss is not having a clear roadmap of evolution in the career for the associate. And the biggest problem with the associate is Oh, because you said that I'm entitled to this, blah, blah, blah. And then once you get into the entitlement road, it's a disaster for you as an associate, right? So I think these are the two main problems from both sides that we need to manage at this point. Yeah. Now I know people that are listening to the podcast are going to want to see this roadmapper, you know, because as you can imagine, when it doesn't work out, it's very expensive. It's expensive emotionally. It's expensive financially. You lose time and I'm older, so I don't have time to waste. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to look out for this information. Now, Sean, we're going to have you back and do a masterclass. And Christian, I want you to talk about the why and you're putting, you're putting this in your DSD curriculum. Can you speak to that? So... Since we know this is a real problem, right? And a, a real bottleneck for growth, right? Uh, preparing the people below you to become beside you and hopefully in the future become even above you. Uh, we know that doctors and practice owners are struggling with finding the right people, training the right people, empowering the right people and being able to multiply themselves, right? So there's several strategies that we've been working on it and we think that uh, we can help doctors improve this process, right? Uh, we didn't talk today and we should bring uh, Sean maybe for our next conversation about the side of the associate, everything that the associate can do to improve the chances of the boss picking them, right? Bringing that first young person under their wings, you know, uh, I like to talk about this a lot because it's the opposite of entitlement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna strategically do things in certain way that there's no way that this boss is not gonna like me. 
and I'm not going to become important into this infrastructure. I want to become vital for this team, right? Um, without arrogance, without intimidating the other employees, there's many pieces that you need to manage there. If you want to grow in, in an organization, you need to be super smart on how to grow on the organization because you can shoot your feet very, very easily. And even if the boss likes you, if the team doesn't like you, you may be kicked out of the system. So uh, there's the other side of the story. And I believe that um, this is so important that we are bringing Sean to speak to our DSD clinics. And uh, we want to further explore this topic and, and create a better roadmap to succeed in the synergy between associates and owners. I love it. And we're going to put some show notes down. If you're listening to the podcast, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, flip up to the show notes, you're going to see information where you can reach out and find out a little bit more. But gentlemen, give us some final thoughts on this very important topic. Sean, you go first. You. Well, you know, I think uh, we live in an era where dentistry is better than before, but also it's becoming very competitive. We have a lot of competition from the corporate side, from private uh, business owners growing. And so as owners, as associates, we need to get better and smarter about how we approach things in order to have a long lasting career. So that's why we put this presentation together. We're going around sharing this knowledge with everyone to help them become better at what they do so they can have a successful career as well. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Christian, what are your final thoughts on this? Um. Just great to have you, Sean. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to your lecture to the DSD community. And I'm sure Kirk will bring you to his community as well. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a very important topic, as we mentioned. And I hope people were able to take some insights here and there. And it's gonna be fun to start using that table, applying it, and and identifying the potential superstars. And as you said. Uh, creating modern dentistry depends on dream teams and dream teams depend on great captains and captains inspire teams and team members learn from captains on how to become captains in the future. And that's what this is all about. I love it. I love it. And Sean, I have so many questions. We're going to have you back again. And I'm going to ask you, even during the masterclass, once we get this all set, you have a segment on career development. What does that look like? Because that's a big one. People say, oh, you're going to be a mentor. Does that just mean we just pass in the hallway and talk every once in a while? You know, I think you've got to have a plan for developing their careers. So um, stick around, gentlemen, while I say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys. I got to I got to let these guys go or this is going to go on for another hour. So uh, thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends, keep sending us suggestions for things that you want to see. Keep tuning in for the regular series that Dr. Christian Coachman and I have going. We've got some incredible guests lined up, some very, very big names in dentistry, and you're not going to want to miss that. And be on the lookout for Sean's masterclass that we will post soon once we can get them locked in to schedule. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. 
So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.